welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we watch. We are your hosts. I am Randy, here with... Not a cunt. <laughs> and not a cunt. We will be reviewing The Gentleman, the latest movie directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Hugh Grant, Colin Farrell. There's, there's just a whole list of gentlemen starring in this film. But yeah, let's let's dive right into this. This is um we've been trying to actually record this one for a while. I think like since it came out back in January or so. So long, just way too long. Yes, yes. Only we're only a few months behind on this one, but you know, I feel like the world had bigger problems, but nonetheless, we're still going to deliver that good content because we are gentlemen ourselves. So we're just we're going to dive into this. So the gentleman. So it's directed by Guy Ritchie. He produced it. He wrote the screenplay. Um, and he also came out with directing Aladdin this past year as well. So just starting off, do you have any history with his list of filmographies? Yeah, I think one of the most, I think if not his famous, mo- his most famous work was the movie from, I think the year 2000 called Snatch. And that was pretty, pretty similar to this film. Uh, the narrative pieces were all kind of scattered, very similar to like a Pulp Fiction type of plot. Where, you know, I won't go too far into the the plot of Snatch. Definitely go and watch it if you haven't seen it before listening to this review. Uh, but it essentially it revolves around a bunch of different players um, who, you know, try to steal this diamond from a person who's already stolen it. And it's just kind of a bunch of people whose stories intersect with one another and eventually, you know, they all kind of randomly collide and have conflict with each other. Um, and it's all very funny. There's a lot of great humor in the movie Snatch, which was very reminiscent to this film. Uh, and, of course, you know, you got to love Brad Pitt in Snatch as like this, you know, again, very reminiscent of Fight, Club as, Fight Club-esque boxer who just kind of knocks everyone out. And he's a, he's a parky, I think, is what they refer to them as in the movie. Um, and he's just supposed to be this really annoying type of drunkard who... You know, is really hard to deal with and lives in like a trailer park. Uh, so a lot of these, a lot of the characters feel very similar to one another. Um, the plot, the way it's told, is very similar to to one another. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely watch Snatch, but that's probably the most notable Guy Ritchie movie I know of. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I definitely heard of that one before. So I actually looked through his catalog to see if I was familiar with his work, but I know of a lot of his films. I actually haven't checked a lot of them out. Any of them besides The Gentleman, actually. Not even Aladdin, which just came out. I don't really plan on watching that one. But so I I was kind of coming in here with like a fresh perspective of what his style might be. From the trailers, it looked like it would be like this action comedy with just a bunch of surprisingly very notable actors in this one. Um, But yeah, I had no real expectations for this. But yeah, let's just start with our overall thoughts on this movie. So you saw Snatch. You mentioned that as one of his notable ones. What did you think of The Gentleman? I have to say I was really intrigued by the beginning of this movie. Uh, it kind of starts off like some other films do. Like I said, Pulp Fiction, where the plot or the movie begins in the thick of the plot at the climax of the plot. So it shows Matthew McConaughey's character, Michael Pearson, come into a pub, ordered a deviled egg or I'm sorry, um, a pickled egg and a, a draft of beer and he's just sitting down and he has this really really epic line where he's just like 
If you wish to be the king of the jungle, it's not enough to act like a king. You must be the king. There can be no doubt, because doubt causes chaos in one's own demise. Which is just such a great line. And I'm sure we'll insert the sound bit. Um, but, you know, it, it really sets the tone for this kind of character in the film. It's kind of a no-nonsense, I'm the alpha male top dog motherfucker around here. And no one's going to fuck with me. But as soon as he says that line, all you hear is, bam! You know, a gunshot, blood spatter all over the table, mm. well, all over the Well, I guess that's, the, we're getting to spoiler territory there. But it is definitely a, a strong beginning. Nah, man. They, the, peop, they, the people know what they're getting into here. This is a late review, man. They get they get spoilers off the bat. No, no, no. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's try to keep it overall thoughts. But they do have... They, I think you intrigued them with that one, though. I think if you could start with beer, eggs, and gunshots, I mean, it's it's hard not to jump into that movie. But it's really the trifecta of everything a good movie needs. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this movie starts off very epic, very in the thick of things. Uh. So overall, I would say that the whole tone of the movie continues on like that. Uh. Very serious. Uh. The main character again kind of keeps that no nonsense character character trait going. Uh. The humor is real. Uh, I really like the humor. It's Some of it's pretty dated. We'll get into that a little bit later. But for the most part, they do a good job of balancing like humor with more serious moments in the film. And I can honestly say most of the characters are pretty interesting. They all have some kind of substance to them, some kind of quirk, which I do enjoy. Uh, and I would say that the ending of the film uh, really does a good job of wrapping things up. So... Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty pretty great plot. I love it when movies start at different points and kind of weave their way into a coherent order towards the end. Uh, so yeah, love that style. Really enjoyed this movie. What about you, man? What'd you think? Sure. Um, I thought this movie was okay. That's kind of where I've ended up with this movie. Um, I think this movie has a lot of style. I think the style is what shines the most. Just the way it's edited, the way the story plays with its own timeline, and they definitely have a sense of an unreliable narrator throughout this movie where you're not really sure if a scene that's happened actually happened or not. Um, you're just sort of interpreting the movie as the narrator is interpreting the movie. Um, so I, I kind of like when things play with the linear timeline, more so with bringing things up like a Pulp Fiction, the most notable of the cases. Um, and this movie does that fairly well. Um, I do think this this film has a lot of entertaining characters. Like there's the, I mean, Matthew McConaughey's character, like you mentioned, he has that alpha male kind of pretty much typical Matthew McConaughey just inserted in this gangster film. Um, and then uh, the toddlers, we'll get into them, but... They're just kind of delightful every time they're on the screen. Um, so I like that part of the film. Uh, I think what fell short for me, at least, was, you know, this is an action comedy. Um, and I, I like a good mesh of, uh, you know, the action that was shown in this film. I just felt like the overall plot for me wasn't that interesting in terms of we've kind of seen a lot of this before in other films. Sun mix and match of this. Um, and also, this kind of felt like a dated movie. Like, it felt like this was written back in the 90s, right post uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and a lot of those uh, films. And I feel like the humor, while some of it, you know, it was funny. It, some of it was you know, a lot of funny dialogue played uh, uh, playing off of each other. I felt a lot of it was dated, like 90s humor. There's a lot of 
odd choice of a racial humor, which I think is sometimes hard to blend if this is a, just a character choice for a character to pretty much be racist, or is this really the writers and directors trying to placate racist notes as humor? And I think a lot of it felt like the latter. It didn't feel like it came organically from a character. It just felt like they wanted to make fun of Asian or black or Jewish stereotypes as best as they can to listen humor from what seems to be, I don't know, maybe a white male audience. It felt like a very white male heavy film, especially because all the actors um, and pretty much every main character is a white guy um, in Europe somewhere. Um, so that kind of that definitely kind of dampered the film. But I, I didn't still have a lot of enjoyment because what this film did well was the style, the editing, the cuts, some of the action sequences, the plot twists. So that part definitely kept it at least entertaining for me. Uh, but overall, I'd, I'd say it was all right. But uh, we can uh, definitely dive into some of the specifics now. Spoilers, starting now. One, two, three. Okay. So like I was saying, movie starts off pretty great. Uh, I actually wanted to kind of pick your brain because we actually didn't get a chance to talk about this movie beforehand like we normally do. So this is all fresh for you guys, uh, including us. But like I said, the movie starts off right in the climax of the movie, which you'll get into as the movie plays out. But yeah, you see a gunshot, splatter of blood on the table. And when I first saw that, I actually thought, you know, Matthew McConaughey's character, Michael, um, that he actually died. And I thought that would have been just a fantastic. I, I thought that would have just been fantastic. He'd be like, yeah, this guy, it'd be ironic if he was like this big alpha male. And then all of a sudden he gets killed without even having a chance to defend himself or like show off why he's the top boss in this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I, I watched from that point forward thinking that that was established true fact. Like, oh, he, he gets shot at some point. Which I guess made me see the movie through a different lens as I was going through it. Um, but, you know, obviously at the end they show that that's not the case, that he did not die. And he uh, then goes to, you know, proceeds to go and try to save his wife from uh, one of the other rival gangs that exist in this world. Uh, but just based on that intro, man, what was your initial impressions uh, about what you were going to get into or what the tone of the movie was going to be? I felt like the beginning of the movie sounded like one of those classic Matthew McConaughey like Lincoln commercials where he's just saying some. I was driving a Lincoln before anyone paid me to (laughs) pretty much just like hype shit for hype shit's sake. So I felt like that set the tone pretty well where I felt like, yeah, he's saying some hype shit. But honestly, I didn't I didn't really like the quote overall. I, I love Matthew's delivery. It just felt like hype shit for hype shit's sake. Um, it definitely fit what the movie was trying to do, the message and all that. I just felt like it was a little it was a little overt in uh, some of the wording. But it was really intense. Like, all right, he just gets shot in the beginning. Let's play this out. Um, I'm, I'm glad it ended up him not being shot, and that was a twist on it. Otherwise, I would have been annoyed because I feel like I'm not too much of a fan of the trope of, or at least the plot technique of showing uh, pretty much a spoiler in the beginning of the movie. And then working our way up to that point, um, I feel like, wow, that can be like, wow, okay, what's the journey going to be like? I much rather have that reveal happen in the moment. Um, so I think that was a good play on that typical thing of showing a, a false spoiler. 
um, which they kind of do throughout the film. So it set the tone in a really interesting way. Like, okay, is he going to die? Are we just watching what mistakes are being made for him to lead to his death? Um, but then, you know, it's hard to talk about that scene without talking about what happens later. But it's shown that, okay, it even the scene itself, when they come back to it 75% way through the movie, um, you still think he died the way it's shot, the blood spatters, uh, splatters in. It's, there's a silence, but then you realize his ass- would-be assassins are the ones who were actually uh, killed in that moment. So it was a good, uh, it was a good twist on the false spoiler uh, start. I agree, and you know, just kind of staying on that subject, kind of bouncing around here for this review. But one of the things that kind of bugged me was what you were kind of saying earlier. Uh, one of the things I liked about this movie is I loved the style of it. I think the characters were interesting and the style was pretty cool. But in terms of action, there really wasn't a lot of it. And I didn't know how to categorize this movie, whether it be was it supposed to be an action film or uh, some kind of drama or a fusion. But Matthew McConaughey has his moments in this film. Like he, he has his moments of being a complete and utter badass. But it's only a handful of times. And then towards the end of the film where, you know, climax occurs and you expect him to resolve all of these issues by just being the dominant force they portray him to be throughout the whole movie, uh, he has to get saved uh, at least twice by other characters in the film. And I don't know, I just, I, they don't show too much of him, especially with all the hype that came with this movie that Matthew McConaughey was going to be in it. I remember even following him on his social media pages and he was talking about how great the film is, what it means to be a gentleman, uh, how how much fun it was to play this character, and he's not in it for a whole lot. And the action sequences he does have, they're pretty brief, and then towards the end, it's not even that impressive because he has to get saved by his own people. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think the best action sequences that his character was involved in were the ones that were shown to be actually fantasy. Um, so the one where um, is it Hugh Grant narrating this? Right, he's that uh, yeah, that yeah. weird eccentric um, uh, investigator. Uh, yeah, Fletcher. Fletcher. Yeah, so he's kind of narrating a lot of this to Matthew McConaughey's right hand man. Um, so at, <laughs> throughout the movie, he would tell the story of what he knows to uh, Matthew's right hand man character, and he would uh, call him out saying, "That's not how that happened." He's like, "All right, fine, but I'm just trying to spice things up." But there was like one scene in particular where it was a great performance of Matthew McConaughey being a gangster, where it's the false story of him um, talking with, I think the character is called Dry Eye, which is one example of weird racial humor throughout this movie. But the leader or one of the leaders of the Asian mafia crew called Dry Eye wanted his business, wanted to buy it out was insulting him throughout and then Matthew McConaughey just gives this intense speech about, you know, that who is actually an alpha male, shooting him under the table in his dick, watching him crawl away, standing over him, spitting his his really violent, arrogant, swaggerific truths to him, just saying that I'm the dominant male. And I'm watching it, I'm like, holy shit, this is a legendary scene. Like he's about to off this dude in the most intense moment. Um, but then, of course, it's undercut with the, um, at least the comedy attempt of, okay, that didn't really happen. But that would have been pretty cool, right? But here's what actually happened. What they show is just 
Matthew flaunting his philosophy in a Matthew McConaughey kind of way. So I think the, some of the best action-like sequences happened, and it did involve Matthew. They were just always undercut with, but that didn't that didn't actually happen. So his character can't really get props <laughs> for what didn't happen. Yeah, and they all they allude through it, allude to it throughout the film, where even uh, Michael Pearson says himself in the movie, like I have too much blood on my hands for me to be able to do this by myself. And for anybody who hasn't seen the film. I don't know why you'd be watching in the spoiler section, but to anyone who just wants to bypass it and listen to this episode, uh, the whole premise is Matthew McConaughey, they kind of shed light on his origin story in the beginning of the film. He is this kid who grows up essentially incredibly smart. Like he, he gets a full ride to um, that prestigious university in London, Oxford, yeah, and he studies botany even though he came from a really broken home. And once he studied botany, he made a name for himself by selling, you know, Mary Jane to everybody around him and starting his own empire. But in order to do it, he had to be just like this really brutal motherfucker. And they they emphasize this by, in very Latino fashion, actually showing him like cut people up with a machete in the first few minutes of the movie as uh, Fletcher's character is introducing his backstory. Um, so that part was really cool, but that that's the whole premise. He, he has this giant empire of marijuana that he wants to kind of just sell off since everything is becoming legalized and he can't be the, he can't do it himself because his reputation is essentially tainted by his badassery of him just going around and killing anybody who's ever attempted to like fuck him over or, uh, take over his business in any way, shape or form challenges empire. So that is the whole premise of it, and they really do a, a good job of hyping him up in the beginning of the film. But yeah, um, a lot of it is undercut, like you said, by these like what if fantasy scenarios, which you know I guess the point was they were showing was that's what Michael Pearson was thinking of doing in his head, but he knew that there was a more efficient way of dealing with it now that he wants to just sell out and kind of just retire. Um, so yeah, I did, I did enjoy those movie, mo- those moments, but I agree with you very undercut by the flashbacks, but even though there wasn't that much Matthew McConaughey in the film, his, uh, his supporting man, Ray played by Charlie Hunman or Hunnam, he, uh, he was a pretty interesting cat himself. He was kind of the balancing factor, uh, to Michael Pearson. He was his right hand man and kind of took care of everything, uh, that, you know, Michael didn't want to take care of directly which I guess it's easy to say he's actually the main character because in the beginning of the film, he's the one initially encountered or approached by Fletcher's character. And he's the one who kind of corrects Fletcher on anything. He's um, kind of over-expressing or adding hyperbole to, uh, which is which is a cool dynamic. I did enjoy seeing those two characters kind of exchange witty banter. Um, and there was just something really pleasing aesthetically about just seeing him fry up those stakes and intermissions between storytelling of uh, Fletcher's character and to the audience about the plot and him cracking open that bottle of scotch. Like there's a lot of like ASMR moments scattered throughout this film that I think adds to the stylish, the stylized factor that I really enjoyed. Uh, but those two definitely had a great dynamic and Charlie Hunman's character, Ray, he was definitely the more level-headed one compared to his boss and it was just really cool to see how he handled most of those situations 
compared to how Michael would have handled it had he let his imagination come to come to fruition. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed him. He's like the the level-headed right hand, just his number one advisor. Um, and all and usually what would happen too is he would point out things that he wouldn't want to do because he, it was too much of a risk. But obviously Matthew's character holds the final say and tells him to do it anyways. And ultimately, yeah, the risk ended up being too risky and costing everyone what they afraid what they were afraid of, and that's chaos in their kingdom. Um, for example, when he was ordered to go get the girl of one of the the rich folks who Matthew was utilizing their property for his weed farms and their uh, princess was missing. So he ordered uh, Ray to take some guys and get her. And she was in a part of uh, the country where Ray didn't want to go to. There was too many unknown variables and it was just too risky, but he was ordered to do it anyways. And ultimately, he got the girl, got someone killed, and the guy he got killed was the son of one of these Russian mafia bosses who then tried to kill them because that was his son. So again, it was one of those moments where his character understood the risk and didn't want to do it. And ultimately, he was right, where the thing he wanted to avoid happened to almost be all of their downfalls. Um, so I did enjoy him as well. I think my favorite character... More for like this surface level stuff was Coach. I really like Coach, played by uh, Colin Farrell, I believe. Um, just this, literally a coach of like MMA fighters. That's all he is. Just this badass dude who teaches youngsters, gets them off the streets, and teaches them how to fight. And uh, <laughs> some of his proteges are known as the Toddlers. This group of kids who all they want to do is like fucking fight, rap make youtube videos like they're just trying to be youtubers that's all they're really trying to do is be youtubers and though that dynamic was so fun it was just these rambunctious kids getting in way over their head when they learned that they can raid pearson's weed farm film it and beat some ass then make a rap video out of it and post it online and the coach is horrified because he's not in He's not in these gangster realms at all. You get a sense that he's been through some shit, but he's literally just trying to be a coach of fighting. And he gets stuck in the middle of his uh, his little protégés fucking with Pierce, uh, Pearson, and then he has to clean up the mess. So I, I felt like the more coach and the toddlers were involved, that's when the action was a little bit more elevated, a little bit more exciting. That's when shit started to pop off is the toddlers versus uh, the bodyguards in a weed farm. Um, the toddlers kidnapping that one reporter guy and forcing him to do Black Mirror-esque stuff with a pig. Um, or the coach saving uh, Matthew McConaughey's character's ass when he's visiting and trying to help clean stuff up. Um, so I feel like when it comes to style, like that, that was the epitome of the enjoyment of the film is coach with the toddlers doing their rap music, YouTube, filming themselves, doing crime, but really not caring because they just want to be hype. Yeah, those guys were the real MVP of the entire movie. Um, they were the ones who came in clutch, like I was mentioning earlier, where Michael Pearson's character was in danger of dying. He was saved once by, once by, the, by his right-hand man, Ray, but the other time he was saved was by Coach and his boys, who, you're right, they were just the coolest fucking part of this movie. They had swagger for days just uh i remember they had that one when you said they made a rap song they played it at the end of the credits too i don't remember how it goes anymore 
but uh, oh my goodness, talk about it was fun! Hype. Like the, it was hype. Yeah, like <laughs> I really love that scene. Uh, so the way that they're introduced into the actual film is, like you said, they they you know out of nowhere infiltrate one of Matthew McConaughey's underground bunkers, which he hides underneath the properties of very wealthy and, and prestigious families in the UK, and that's how he finds a way to grow his weed farm without detection. Um, they find a way to infiltrate one of them, uh, one of the ones that he shows uh, one of his potential buyers for his empire in the beginning of the film. And it's just really interesting because they walk in. They, I think they're wearing ski masks at first. So we think, okay, this scene is just, to em- is just made to emphasize why you shouldn't fuck with Michael Pearson and his empire because they're about to get fucked up. But no, it's the complete opposite. They, they, they come in. They see the bodyguards. They act so nonchalantly. I think one of them is even just like, are you it? Like, is this is this all you have to offer? This is going to be pretty easy. And then they have this really funny bit where the, the guard calls in more dudes. He's like, oh, hey, you, come over here. And the other guy's like, yeah, what is it? I think these guys are trying to rob us. He's like, oh, really? Hey, you, come over here. And like five, four or five guys in total appear as like these big burly men who are bodyguards. And then the guys with the ski masks, who you find out are coaches boys, they're just like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be fun. You're, you're, this, this is going to be great. And then you don't see what happens until you see them posting the video in the film of them just beating ass uh, from those older guards and then making a rap song out of it. Uh, how, how does it how how did that rap song go again, man? Oh man, I was bumping this. I stayed to the end of the credits so I could hear that song. It was like uh like boxes of Kush, real shit. Oh, you know, I don't know the rest of it. Boxes oh, of so Kush. Good. I feel like it was that. It was it was fucking hype though. Like it was literally they they used like Adobe Premiere or some shit to intersplice them just rapping in front of cars and shit doing backflips, cut with actual film of them kicking ass of Pearson's guards to get that box of kush. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I, I could have used way more toddlers and coach in this film. It's not about them at all. They were just, you know, players um, accidentally in this game that Pearson is playing. But, I mean, again, when you talk about an action comedy film, which is what this is supposed to be, they're, they're the ones who brought a lot of the comedy and a lot of the action. I could totally follow a spinoff of the coach and his boys, his boys getting in over their head. Maybe they learn a lesson throughout. But also, they're just doing their YouTube thing, making more rap songs, beating ass. I think there's there's an actual rapper within the group who's like an actual UK rapper um, who I think leads the group in that music video. They they kind of remind me of the group Foreign Beggars. I don't know if you've heard of Foreign Beggars. I'm not but they're like a UK hip-hop, like grime style of rap group. Gotcha. And I swear one of those guys is like either was influenced by Foreign Beggars or was part of Foreign Beggars. Interesting. It, it could have been the same. I feel like it was uh, damn. Who was it? Was it Bugsy? Oh, they, they all they, they all had like their their like profile too, like within the song or just within their their video intros, which I loved. Like it was just so comic book esque. Those characters seemed like they involved they they were involved in like a comic book story. That's how they felt to me. Um, so they definitely kept the life up. Um, <laughs> actually, the first time I tried to watch this movie, I admittedly fell asleep. So I watched maybe in total 17 minutes of the movie at first. And the only parts I woke up to was when it was like the toddlers, they happened to be on. And I was like, oh, shit, this shit is hype. Then I fell back asleep. Um, Watched it again. 
But even the second time through, they're the ones who still sh- uh, shined the most. It was them mixed with Hugh Grant's character, who was just this kind of like he reminded me of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Natural Born Killers. Just like this eccentric kind of dude, just clearly in over his head, but wily enough to get away with a lot of events uh, throughout the film. Up until the ending, which was beautiful, but it, like I was surprised that even his cunning throughout the film, kind of, seemingly getting over Ray's character with new bits of information and keeping himself safe. Although you learn Ray actually knew a lot about that and he was playing his own game. So it was cool to reveal that they were both playing their own chess matches to get money, preserve their business, get over one another. So I think that my favorite dynamic, if it's not coaching his boys, is definitely Ray and Hugh Grant's character as uh, as Fletcher. Uh, I thought they they just had great banter. I agree. And thanks to Fletcher, I really wanted Wagyu beef for a really long time. Like that, <laughs> just when he's like, "Can you fry me a steak?" Oh my god, like that that looks so delicious. Look Anyways, moving on. Hell yeah, it did. It did. Um, so just kind of just kind of going on with the other characters that I really enjoyed. Um, so Jeremy Strong, who I think is from that HBO show about that uh, empire, those kids who run the empire. I'm t- I can't remember the name anymore, but he plays a character named Matthew, who is this billionaire essentially trying to buy up Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey's character's like empire for marijuana, and as the story unfolds, you begin to realize that Matthew is working with Dry Eye to kind of undercut the valuation of Michael Pearson's empire so that he can take it for essentially nothing. Um, So like these characters interact um, and it was really cool because it was the two of them essentially versus Michael Pearson and his wife, who I thought was a, you know, although brief, pretty stylized character played by Michelle Dockery and his wife's name was Rosalind Pearson. And they had a pretty interesting dynamic where she was a badass unto herself, especially in that one scene where Dry Eye tries to kidnap her um, and kill Michael Pearson in his own pub. She just kind of pulls out a little gun that is a gift from the other character, Matthew, um, and just starts killing dudes, like shoot, like sharpshooter style in her office, uh, like a boss-ass like boss bitch. And I just thought that their dynamic was really interesting. Um, she essentially had that, I'm a boss, you're a boss, you do your thing, I do mine. But together we run this fucking empire. It was really cool to see. Really enjoyed their dynamic. Um, so it was cool to see them versus the other two guys. And you know, at the end of the day, the the two of them win out. But yeah, it was uh it it was uh it was cool to see just her her interactions with her husband. Like she was never afraid of him, but you could tell there was like a form of mutual respect there. And she also kind of made fun of him throughout the film. About like, hey, why are you retiring? You're going to be bored as shit. Like, you you are not the type to just kind of sit still and, and retire idly. And he's just like, nope, nope, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. I'm leaving. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting to see those two characters interacting. Was it a succession? Succession? The HBO show you were thinking about with the kids? Yeah. That yes. Yeah. I yep. still have to watch that, actually. Great show. Yeah. Um, I think i would have liked uh matthew mcconaughey's wife's character 
if she was in the movie more. She's alluded to be just as boss as him. And there are a couple examples, like her sharpshooting those guys with a pistol and Matthew just saying, like, yeah, I got this advice from my wife about him being the king in the jungle and stuff like that. But the problem is this film felt at a lot of the times just a film placated to white male audiences uh, shown by her getting so little screen time. You know, it felt like Margaret, uh, Margaret Robbie's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she seems like a very playing a very interesting portrayal. You just don't, you, she just doesn't get the screen giant, the screen time she deserves. Um, so what they showed, I loved it. She should have got 20 more minutes of screen time. But instead, it's again, it's just owned. It's owned by the white male characters, unfortunately, because she seemed pretty interesting. Um, and also, like uh, along that line of if it seemed like a white male movie uh, for white males. Again, we have characters like Dry Eye and he's just this, you know, young cub trying to overthrow his own boss in the the mafia uh organization he was a part of so he can run things it's like this young 20 30 something year old trying to own the game trying to play with the big dogs swim with the sharks um but even him like there's just too many jokes about you know like the guy Ritchie wrote this film so he called this character dry eye um which just seems like an obvious jab at asian stereotypical jokes of their facial features which is weird they even have that bit where they're trying to enunciate this one character's name. I forgot what the bit was. It was like... Uh, fuck. It, it was fuck. Right? It was called like fuck or the fuck or something like that. Um, and they just had that bit where it's like, like, what is it? Fuck? 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 It's just them making fun of the pronunciations of a, a made-up Asian name. And it's just, it's just played with, I think, the lowest of brow of humor. Or like the one character in... Uh, the coach's camp where someone calls him a black cunt. And he's like, yo, why do you got to call me a black cunt? Why you can't you just call me a cunt? What does my race have to do? And coach's like, nah, it doesn't matter. Like if I, you know, if you were Jewish, you probably call you like a Jewish cunt or whatever. And I feel like it, that was played not to showcase like, oh yeah, the coach has some racism too, or the people he trained, like some commentary on race. I think it was literally them just saying, wouldn't it be funny to call him a black cunt because black makes it funnier. So I feel like jokes like that is what made what's definitely dampened the film because uh, it just seemed like it was just placating to the white characters. Um, so I didn't enjoy any of that. The wife, I felt like she would have been badass, but maybe written by someone else, she actually would have got more screen time so we can actually see her swag about too. Listen, man, sometimes you just got to let these white male audiences have a movie for themselves, okay? I mean, we 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 got Get Out. <laughs> we we got uh, us. I mean, let them have their thing, man. Damn, they, they have nothing. They have nothing. They're, they finally got a movie for the white guys. <laughs> uh, you but. get nothing. You deserve nothing. Um, yeah. You're right, though, that, because you know, as badass as she was, she almost got uh she almost got raped in that movie, which was was very strange for me. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's really she, no reason did... for that, right? There's no reason to be like, okay, the wife character who's portrayed as she's supposed to be, you know, at like a queen in this kingdom, but at the end she's being saved from getting raped. Like that's where they reduced her at the end. Yeah, and you know, it kind of like that white knight syndrome as well, where she needed her big badass husband to come and save her. So to I save agree. her from the 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 Asian guy trying to rape her. Like that's that was the scenario there. 
yeah, like I said, man, let these white males have their movie. All right, it's it's whatever, whatever. But uh, Fuck but em. yeah, but for, we'll continue. Yeah, but with a ph, because you know that's part of the joke, you know. Uh, so yeah, she she was badass. Yeah, she did need to be saved at the end from being raped. Um, we've said that way too much in this episode. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you on that, but I did enjoy the little bits of uh of exchange that the two of them had together. Uh, but in terms of talking about badass moments, I think for me personally, and I'll, I'll flip the question, the question over to you right after this, but I think for me, the, the, the most badass moment in the entire film was when Matthew McConaughey's character, character, Michael says he'll take care of the Asian mafia's head himself, like the boss, uh, above dry eye. And it's just very stylized. He comes in and I believe he's watching the other mafia bosses watching horse racing of some kind. And he just sits down and has this really nonchalant conversation with the guy where you kind of don't know where it's heading. But then all of a sudden the guy just starts vomiting and you realize that Michael, because he's a botany prodigy has found a way to poison his tea. And the man just is like vomiting all over himself. He looks sickly and then Matthew McConaughey's character, Michael, pulls out a gun. He just holds it to his head. And he's just like, if you ever try to fuck with me again, I'm going to put a bullet in your head and that'll be the end of you and you'll die like this. And then he just pulls out like an antidote. Like a, it kind of felt like a bat, like a Batman villain would do, like a Poison Ivy type, Gotham Mafia boss type. He pulls out this like an- this vial of antidote and gives it to the dude. And he's like, clean, your- clean yourself up. You'll be fine. Take this. And you won't fucking die. But for me, that was like, that was the coolest Michael Pearson moment in the entire film. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, that was a that was a pretty dope scene. I like that one. Uh, I definitely like that uh, climatic ending scene. Um, again, talking about like something that does, doesn't necessarily have action in it, but it's intense as fuck where uh, Michael Pearson character uh, confronts uh, Jeremy Strong's character. I forget his name. It was like Matthew Berger or something like that. Um, but the one who's trying to undercut him the entire time and drops the price down to 130 million from like, you know, 400 million or so. And it's revealed, of course, that Pearson's character, he knows about the link between him and Dry Eye's crew. And he actually takes them to the freezer where they have Dry Eye's body in it and tells them with just classic tremendous matthew delivery um pretty much telling him listen like yeah business is business but you went after my wife like he went after my wife so this became personal that's the personal part of this so you're gonna transfer me like 270 million dollars and because of all of these grievances you're gonna cut a pound of flesh from your own body uh to hand to me and i'm like all right that's dope that's that's a dope gangster finale of saying i want a pound of flesh literally meaning it and then making him do it with the threat of my boy will just do it instead while you're in a freezer um it was just a cool plan you get to pick which part of it comes from it comes from (laughs) yeah you know maybe maybe do bits and pieces maybe some thigh maybe some breast mix it up with some wings you know 
Uh, it was it was a pretty good plan. Like he, he needs to transfer before he can leave the freezer, so he's going to guarantee to get the money, or else he'll forfeit his own life. And he has to do the psychological warfare of making him do you know spoilers for Saul, but making him cut off one of his own body parts so he can get out this situation. Uh, so I think that was definitely like when you want to know why Matthew might have been the king of this jungle, it's him ultimately doing something like that. The the fantasy part of him threatening these guys turned into reality where he's like, or at least seemingly a reality where he's telling him, yeah, cut off a pound of flesh while you're in the freezer, while you're giving me 270 big ones. Um, so definitely uh, besides the toddlers interaction, I think my favorite part of the scene or, or the movie. Yeah. And he has that amazing line at the end. He's just like, yeah, business is business, but you wait, you made one f- fatal flaw. And that's assuming that I'm a cunt. Which is, I guess, the word of the day in this movie is cunt. It's like, yeah. you made a mistake it's, it's, it's in assuming film. that I'm yeah. a cunt. Exactly. He's like, and I am not a cunt. And that's when he reveals dry eyes, uh, body in the freezer. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with you. That was definitely my second favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, but for me, it was the, the one I mentioned uh, that had to take the top. But they're both great. Um, the movie obviously ends with you know Michael Pearson getting in a car after that scene. And then getting saved by Coach and his boys because, uh, unbeknownst to him, Hugh Grant's character, Fletcher, who was narrating most of the story, uh, tries to black re- blackmail them. But Ray reveals in his own flashback that everything his character or Fletcher's character did, he was one step ahead and was spying on him the whole time. So he was able to retrieve all of this incriminating evidence for his boss that Fletcher was going to use against them and destroy it with, of course, the help of Coach, who was the MVP of the film. And uh, then as Hugh Grant's character tries to flee, uh, he, you know, it's revealed that he told the Russian mafia um, that Michael Pearson's character was going to be in that in that, you know, car that he gets in at the end of the film. The only reason the Russian mafia comes into the film is because, as we mentioned earlier, Michael Pearson worked or, you know, is an associate of one of the wealthy families in London who allow him to use their property to grow marijuana. They send him on a mission uh, to retrieve their daughter, who is a, uh, I guess, a heroin addict. I can't, I don't remember what exactly she's an addict of. Yeah, drug addict. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Michael sends Ray to go get her. And, you know, that's a whole part of the film uh, where he does end up retrieving her. But when she gets home, she's essentially the damage is done and she dies. But as he saves that character, there's another kid in the house with her who dies, and he's the son of a Russian mafia boss. And as revenge, he wants to kill Michael Pearson and, and all his associates. So that's where the Russian mob comes into play. And, of course, because of Coach, uh, Michael Pearson ends up getting saved. Ray, being one step ahead of Fletcher, um, you know, defeats him from being you know, the victim of blackmail. And, uh, you know, the both of them kind of win and the empire stays strong and he ends up selling and getting his money. And one of the things I did like about that ending, even though it was a little bit predictable, actually a lot predictable, um, was that it just felt like another day in the life of this character, Michael Pearson. He, as a boss of such a vast empire, especially a criminal empire, you would assume there has there has been several attempts to undercut him, several attempts at his life. This probably isn't the first time they try to attack him and his associates, his family, and he still deals with it. And I think that this movie, the way it ends, it just shows that this is just another day for him, another day in the life of being this 
Mary, Mary Jane uh, Kingpin uh, that's just a savage. And because he has such a, a reputation for being a, a murderer, a, a cold-blooded murderer, um, no one fucks with him you know, until they try to, and then he, he reminds them of, you know, the pecking order, so to speak. So I think that was a really good thing about the ending. It just, that's how I interpreted it. It's just another day in this guy's life, but because he's such a boss, you see why his reputation precedes him and boom, end of film. Um, again, not a world breaking plot, but for me, it shined in this, in the departments of style. And I think, I think when it comes to a movie called the gentleman, uh, and you have Matthew McConaughey, you know, like you said, pretending, you know, or I'm sorry, uh, bringing out his inner linking commercial type of uh, vibe slash dialogue. I think that's what I wanted from this film. And I got it. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, I was OK with the ending. That's how sure. uh, that's that's how I interpreted it, at least. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I like the climax between Pearson getting over the Jeremy Strong character, lock him in the freezer and whatnot. Um, I was kind of mixed on that final ending of it being realized that Fletcher is pitching the story to Miramax as something they can turn into a film. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, just a whole kind of kind of like a almost a post credits. I felt like that actually Fletcher didn't get away with it. He was captured by Raymond after uh, he got into a cab thinking it was a regular cab driver. Turns out to be Raymond, and yeah, now he's captured. And, you know, Pearson and his girl, uh, Rosalind, Rosalind, um, they just kind of celebrate about yep. that whole thing. Um, it was just, it was a little on the nose of like Miramax is producing this film and the character is producing this film to Miramax. I don't, I didn't really get much value out of that. Um, but I still love Fletcher's character. He's just, I, I like that he got caught. Like he was smart enough to not get caught initially because he had a couple of cards up his sleeve still. But ultimately, in the end, Pearson's resources, his boys, they they win. That's the pretty much the moral of like the lying retaining his kingdom. Not even a hyena like Fletcher can get away ultimately. Uh, so I thought that was fine. Um, but yeah, overall, this movie it had a lot of style. It had some fun, inventive characters, whether it's uh, Hugh Grant's Fletcher or the toddler um, or some performances by Pearson. Um, I definitely had a lot of problems with, I think, the the datedness of the comedy sometimes and just a lack of probably some character development for some um, would-be interesting characters like from Michelle Dockery. Uh, but this film did have a lot of style. So at the very least, I find it's a, it would probably a good entertaining background film. Um, also, they came out with a dope-ass track from the toddler. So that's something at the very least you can bump. But uh so and overall, this movie had uh, pig fucking in it. So, you know, it, it's got a little <laughs> bit of everything. It had some Black Mirror. You know, for some reason, the UK people, judging from that opening episode of Black Mirror, spoiler alert for Black Mirror, um, and this movie, pig fucking is it's just funny to them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so this movie could have something for you. It definitely could. Um, what would you, if you could, rate this movie out of 10? Well, I would say off the bat that I, I definitely think Snatch is the superior film. And Fair. I know I know that movie has its own like cult following to it. It was it's very popular still. I enjoyed it uh a little bit more. I also really love the fact that they use the music from Massive Attack in that movie in that film. Um and you can kind of see back then the starts of actors like Jason Statham 
which was really cool to see. Uh, but if I were to rate this movie uh, just as its own thing, without comparing it to any of the other Guy Ritchie films, uh, I'd I'd give it a five point five out of ten, uh, six out of ten, uh, around that range. Um, again, like you said, there was a lot of really dated humor, uh, but there were funny moments scattered throughout as well. Um, it does a good job of balancing that and the serious tone that is involved with the overall plot of it being a marijuana empire. Uh, and of course, Matthew McConaughey is as cool and stylized as ever, uh, which is, again, the highlight of the film for me. So definitely worth a watch. And I would definitely keep it around that range. What about you? Yeah, that's fair. I'd give it a five out of ten. Um, a lot of that comes from, again, there's good uh, cinematography, good editing, and some fun moments here and there. Uh, but yeah, we talked about you know the the pros and cons in the film. I think it adds up to about a five out of ten. Very stylish. It seems more like junk food than sustenance for me. Um, so it's you know it's okay junk food. It's okay cinema junk food. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, worth one watch. Uh, but if you if you haven't ever been introduced to Guy Ritchie, go watch some of his other films first. Uh, you won't be disappointed. They're very good. Uh, but yeah, this one, if you enjoy Matthew McConaughey, check it out. But other than that, uh, I think that's pretty much it, man. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, I think that'll do it. That'll do it for uh, these couple of gentlemen reviewing The Gentleman. Uh, check it out if you like Guy Ritchie's style. Um, and stay tuned to what we'll be reviewing next. If you want to leave comments, uh, suggestions, anything like that, feel free to email us at after the act podcast at gmail.com follow us on facebook and instagram at after the act um, all of our work can be found on malampictures.com including the highly hilarious highly rated the magic conch podcast um, and until next time you know stay classy my friends and don't be cunts please just don't do it um also dude i just realized that name had nothing to do with the movie what did it have to do about with gentlemen Whatever. Terrible people. Peace.